folks, welcome back to another episode of On the Delo. This is 111, and yeah, I got real comfy chairs there for you, Craig. Yeah, man, it's like a torture device. <laughs> you can stand if you want. <laughs> Actually, good. I do sometimes too. But uh, I've got my I've got my good buddy Craig DeMarco on. I'm excited to just kind of hang out and just bullshit with you today. So welcome. Good morning. My biggest skill set. Your biggest skill set, right? Bullshitting. Bullshitting. Exactly. And guess what, dude? I just joined the 50 Club as of Sunday. Nice job. I, I saw your post, and you're looking pretty ripped for 50. Thank you very much, man. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, since you've been part of the club for a little bit longer than me, uh, how is it? Four years. It's great if you make good decisions. Yes, yes. Hard, harder to make bad decisions in this club, <laughs> or at least you pay a more steep price. Wouldn't you say our ASU days and maybe a little bit after that were primarily our bad decision times? Yeah, I kind of think I all the fun points I was allotted in life, I spent them all and went into some fun point debt during that time, so yeah, you I've been trying to out. make up since then. You cashed out early. I cashed out. <laughs> <laughs> just spent everything. When I met my wife at 39, I, I decided that um, I had no more no more coins in that pocketbook. So, you know, the last 10 years have been good, and I've been clean, clean living and clean eating and all that good stuff, and that's a lot of the stuff that you and I have a, a lot of common interest in. You, you love doing a lot of that. Uh, I, I, I guess we can call it biohacking, but I think it's just really, for us, it's like way of life, right? Yeah, I kind of discovered it earlier than this whole trend of biohacking, just trying to manage my stress and wanted to be a lifelong athlete and, yeah. you know, just inspired by athletes. So, yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Like, what are some of your favorite hobbies as far as it goes, you know, into athleticism and stuff? I know you like to surf, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely hobby. We have a cool little place in Encinitas and I have two boys who surf and we've been doing that for a long time. But I mean, I really... I, I've hiked Camelback Mountain a lot. Yeah. Like probably more than most. Probably into the mid 3,500, 3,600 times. Holy cow. Over the past 35 years. Did that religiously for a long time. Weren't you putting like a something in a jar or something every time you did it? I, and I thought I had a dream about. It. I mean, I have all kinds of how I start the year, how I'm going to track all my <laughs> right. all my achievements. Yeah, I had some poker chips, and every time I had Camelback, I put it in a jar, and I was trying to get 300 a year. Okay, gotcha. So I did that for a few years in a row. And Camelback, I mean, that's that's no easy task. What? Um, what was it? What was the mantra of doing it? Did you listen to music? Was it just a meditative state that you got in? When you got to the top, did you just kind of chill for a little bit, or did you just run up and down? You know, when I first started, it was more for physical exercise. And what I realized was starting the day, accomplishing something like that was a very great, strong mental exercise. And I joke about Camelback's a little bit taller than it used to be because I've left so much emotional baggage at the top. Mm. So I'd go up there, kind of sort through my shit. Come on down. And the question about what I listen, I listen to nothing on the way up and Bob Marley on the way down. Really? That's just a, kind of a routine. Okay. Very yeah. cool. And and routines are, are, are good for us. Type A, uh, yeah, type of uh, strong, you know, just personality type people. That's too much. So, okay. So ASU grad, right? ASU grad, yeah. Yeah. And are you originally from Arizona? 1980, like seventh grade. Okay. So I kind of consider myself native by this point. Okay. And and I know <clears throat> you've discussed this on a lot of other podcasts and talked to people, so we won't go too much into your, your past, but y your dad was in hospitality? Is that... Sort of. He was in the tech business, but he was part of uh, his company created or developed the first kind of Windows-based reservation system for the hospitality industry. So okay. on the tech side, but involved with hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. And and you saw him kind of work. Is that where you got a little bit of your work ethic, or did you just kind of 
figure it out on your own? Yeah, yeah. I think he was always entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, and I don't know if it was, you know, he was telling me that directly, but we kind of sensed it, and, you know, I guess now I can look back. The good news was that we didn't have a lot of financial resources growing up. I mean, totally yeah. provided for, but I had to hustle a little bit, and, you know, I delivered the penny saver. I delivered the Arizona Republic. I first job washing dishes. I mean, yeah, had to hustle. So. Oh my God, that's. Uh, and when you look back on that, does it seem like yesterday, or does it seem like a lifetime ago? Depends. Some days it seems like yesterday. Yeah. Um, but then I really think about it. It's you know almost forty years ago. That yeah. I was throwing newspapers. How does scrubbing that scrubbing dishes? How does that trans uh, like transfer over to your kids now? Yeah, a little different. I mean, we, we had our kids a little later in life and yeah. had a little more financial stability when we had our kids. So we're really trying to create that still entrepreneurial hustle kind of atmosphere and environment for them. Yeah. But uh, I think they get it. Yeah, we, you know, we're, we're aware of not raising entitled kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do the same with two in college. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting to have a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old right now. And to see all the different things that they go through. And so like my 21 year old sending me his resume and he's like, Hey, you know, can you, can you look at this? I want to, you know, send this out to a, a company that I'm applying a job for. And here I am as like a, you know, like a 50 year old man now looking at my son's resume going, uh, this is way better than what I ever put yeah, together. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and I mean, he's trying to come out of college, like to, you know, this is like an $80,000 job. I'm like, no, this didn't exist when I was coming out of college. Right. Well, I mean, you've been a great role model for him, and I'm sure he, you know, has evolved because of that. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. A lot of, a lot of bootstrapping, kind of like you, you know, just kind of doing all that sort of stuff. So when you... Um, when you found the first, you know, Postinos, kind of uh, for people that don't know you or, or don't understand that story, I, I love this story. Like, how did you find the lo first location, and what was the um, what was the antithesis to kind of get that rolling? Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, that's a great question, and that's uh, you know something that we're very joyful about that we created something that still exists today and is still growing. But I've been in the restaurant business since 1985. You know, pretty much worked every entry level, service level position you can do through college. And um, we opened up the first Postino, let's see, April 4th, 2001. Oh, wow. But it really started, um, I met my wife back at issue, and we wanted to live in Arcadia when we got engaged in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, and uh, couldn't afford it. It was, Arcadia was out of our price range, so we got as close as we could, which was like 36th Street in Campbell. I don't know if you can picture that neighborhood. Yeah. Kind of Arcadia Heights. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little more built up now. And we were walking our dogs and discovered this old... Um, post office building, at least by Phoenix standards, it was old. It was 1959, so it's kind of historic in Phoenix, right? Being such a new city, and uh, I had this idea to do this this wine bar, and kind of went for it with very little resources, very little experience other than some time in the hospitality business. And my wife was in a general merchandise manager for in a retail uh, luxury retail company, so she had some experience too. But it was kind of a, a crazy hail mary pass. And yeah. And it turned out to uh, be something that the neighborhood really, really embraced. So you knew about this building. I, I You were working kind of close to the building, right? We were living close to the building. Living close to the building. You knew about this building. So what – you have this idea. Do, do you just – I mean, back in the day, do you just, like, call a, a number on the, on the door for the leasing agent or – no, a little more serendipitous how it happened. Okay. So we would walk our dogs by, and one day we saw 
a guy in the parking lot with a hose in one hand and picking up trash with the other, and he had his <laughs> T-shirt on with his sleeves cut off, and we were just interested neighbors, what was happening on the corner, and, start, and struck up a conversation with him, and he kind of explained he purchased his real estate, he wanted to reposition it, wanted to create something that was a neighborhood asset, and he was going to subdivide. It was an 8,000-square-foot building and subdivide it up, and we pitched him the idea to do this wine bar that we saw in our travels. Yeah. And uh, he didn't really respond at first. And then Chris and I just decided we were going to dig in and start showing up every day. And we just kind of became annoying to the point where right. I think uh, wore him down a little bit, maybe. Okay. And we got the opportunity to get the space and sign a lease. And then we had to figure out how to fund it and all those crazy You kind of backwards stories. engineered all this shit. Completely. I mean, yeah. we really didn't have a plan. And I, 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 I look back now <laughs> compared to how we operate currently. Right. And again, didn't know what we didn't know, but we went for it and had some great people around us, some great friends and family who were supportive and uh, got it open April 4th, 2001, and then worked our ass off for a very long time. Right, right. And your first couple of years, was it just, was it a struggle, like trying to figure out how to pay the bills and do all that stuff, or did it take off pretty quick? I mean, I think my, my, my favorite story I've told about that is when we first opened, you know, when you, have a, when you have a business, you have a dumpster in the back where the truck comes and takes once or twice a week. And that was like 250 bucks a month, and we couldn't afford that. So yeah. I would, at the end of the night, I would take all the trash bags and put them in the back of my car and drive down the alley and deposit the trash in other people's trash receptacles. <laughs> That's amazing. Because we didn't have 250 bucks. <laughs> wow. So humble beginnings, and you know, yeah. I, you know, you hear a lot of these stories. It, it means a lot, and we did, and we stuck with it. And it was very grassroots, and we were very cautious, and. We'd hire people when we could afford to, and we never really lived beyond our means. And yeah, we just dedicated to making sure every single guest that showed up, we were grateful for, and, and delivered an experience that what didn't really exist in town. That is absolutely crazy. I mean, that is like entrepreneur gold right there. If you people listening, it's like, and you just you just don't know how things are gonna you know um, come to fruition. And what is interesting is that I, the commonality that I, I talk about with people in all these podcasts is that everybody works their ass off. You know, at the end of the day, you got to put the time in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's no way around it. Yeah, it's like working out. Yeah, you can't be shredded at. 50. But that's where all the lessons are learned. Yeah, that's true too. If you didn't have to go through that, you would never evolve and be able to help others at some point in your life. And and you wouldn't have made the mistakes that you learned from and and been able to get better from that. So no, yeah. day in and day out, we're really fortunate. I mean, the location turned out to be great. We did another business on that corner called the Grand Orange Grocery about a year later. Yeah, and it became a kind of an iconic neighborhood hub and families and kids and bikes and dogs, and we care about our community. So that's really why we did it. It, it was it was nice being financially successful. Yeah. But the big reward is the neighborhood around us that elevated and regentrified and. People enjoyed it. You know, we hear all these great stories, and especially with Postino, like first dates, it turned into marriages, it turned into, hey, these are my kids, and yeah. stuff like that. So that's the big reward. That turned into other uh, operators copy. <laughs> um, you know, but hey, that's, a, that's, that's good, right? And again, the evolution of Phoenix as a dining yeah. culture, and, you know, with the original guys like Mark Tarbell and Christopher Gross and Michael DiMaria and Vincent and Christopher, and those guys did, and then yeah. the next version, and... You know, you got another another guy like a Sam Fox who's just, you know, 
put us on the map big time, and Chris Bianco. So we just happen to be part of that peer group. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It, it's it's a, a whole uh, let's just say list of characters for sure that we have in Arizona and and people. I think all, you work with most of them. I, I do. Or, yeah. or a, a big percentage of them. Big percentage of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm just one of those characters. I just happen to have another you know another type of uh, business. That's all. And you know, I've owned 13 restaurants as well. And I got to tell you, I have mad respect for all of those guys because just to <clears throat> and and you. I mean, just to be in that business and when you look at everything from you know just the food cost to the to the liability aspect to the labor cost i mean to all those things i mean yeah one restaurant is it, that enough is you know crazy territory but then you start getting into two and three and four and then like you had you had talked about you reverse engineered the first one but you brought somebody in named lauren correct who's i mean the system's queen. Chris and I, my wife Chris and I, were very, very fortunate that the universe brought Lauren Bailey together with us. Yeah. And that was really kind of, you know, when we decided to start a real hospitality company, pour some jet fuel on this thing and, and try to grow and scale. That's amazing. And, so, that, and that was the formulation of Upward Projects, correct? That was Upward Projects, yeah. Yeah. When did that actually start? I think 2008, 2009. We opened the second Postino. Okay. And Lauren became an equity partner with us on that one down in Central and, and Coulter. Yeah. And then we started the hospitality company, Upward Projects, together. And then we worked on a bunch of different brands, and we assembled some real estate down in that neighborhood. And then we started testing out some other, other areas of town, like Gilbert and Tempe. Yeah. So before we ventured out of state. Right, exactly. Which, I mean, that's, I mean, you, you ventured out of state, I, I want to say recently, but not so recently. I mean, it's been kind of taken off. It just seems like a flash. Yeah, we went from, you know, our first store we opened out of state was in um, Denver, in yeah. the Lohi neighborhood, in an old bookbinding building that was there from, I think, yeah. the 50s. And one of our things, too, is adaptive reuse, or at least it was when we were a little bit smaller. Yeah. We would take these old buildings and give them kind of a second chance at life, remodel them, restore them. That was kind of a passion, too, the architecture. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And, and talk a, a little bit about your... Uh, your guys' passion and your love for uh, really working within the local community and, and what that means to you guys? I mean, it really started at 40th Street and Campbell, the neighborhood. You know, I don't know if this is a little fun fact. When you open a restaurant, you have to apply for a use permit. It's just part of the process. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know that when we started working on it. And I got a call from the city of Phoenix and said, is this Craig DeMarco? And I said, yes. And they said, are you trying to open a restaurant at 40th Street in Campbell or 39, 39East Campbell? And I said, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And they said, do you know that you need a use permit? And my question was, <laughs> what's a use permit? <laughs> totally. So I, I hustled down to the city of Phoenix and made application. And they, they post out in front of your uh, potential restaurant a big sign so the neighborhood can see it. And we had the largest opposition to a restaurant use permit in the history of the city of Phoenix at that time. The nope. neighborhood came out completely opposed to what we were trying to accomplish. Really? And, 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 you know, when we made application, we put Postino Wine Bar, and I think they tuned into those last three letters of that second word mm -hmm. and saw a, a younger couple trying to open a bar in a neighborhood. Right. And I understand. I understand. But they didn't really um, try to come communicate with us and, and figure out what we were trying to do. They just blanket opposition. Yeah. And we went all the way to city council. And we won by one vote, and it was Mayor Skip Rimza. It was a deadlock, and Skip Rimza, as mayor at the time, stood up and said, I think this is a good idea. So it was a very, very narrow wow. win. And if that didn't happen, Postino would never exist. So, And did you ever hear from people like after the fact that were like, you know, oh, wow, we're, we're kind of glad that this wasn't what we thought it was? 
Yeah, some of the neighbors that are still there today would live there for a long time. Yeah. The other ones moved or left. Right, yeah. But now that neighborhood's become very desirable to live in because of what we created. 100%. But it took some management. I mean, we, we, were, we were careful not to, you know, we were serving alcohol in neighborhoods, so we're very sensitive about that. Yeah. You know, we do perimeter checks to make sure our, our customers are not leaving trash out there. We really wanted to earn our stripes, too. Yeah, and, and you guys do a good job. Back when I used to get shit-faced um, a handful of years ago, I would go to Postino's, um, and I would go and order, like, a bottle of wine, right? And, you know, I'd be sharing it with somebody. And I got to tell you, like, pr the most stringent of not only just ID checking, but also, like, you're done, you know, sort of thing. It was like I never had experienced that before in a, in a bar before. So a lot of the – a lot of the and, and I guess what I'm getting at here is it's a lot of that training and a lot of the um, stuff, the unity that you see in your employees employees and how everybody's kind of on that same page and what you've built. And how many locations is there now? 25 Postinos. We'll be in seven states this year. Yeah. Holy crazy. cow. From that little spark at 40th Street in Campbell. But back to the responsibility. We really took being in interior inside a neighborhood. It, it was very serious. Yeah. I mean, we didn't. We wanted to become an asset, not a liability. Yeah. So we did. And you and I both know the bar business inside and out. That's not the kind of operation we wanted to run. No. This was way more sophisticated and responsible. Yeah. Where, where did the um, the idea or um, what was the platform for like doing the food the way that you guys did it and serving that with wine? Was that always something from the very beginning you had thought of or did that come in later? You know, it was never really supposed to be a restaurant, which was kind of funny that it turned into that. Yeah. But Chris and I enjoyed wine and she kind of got me into wine. She's way more sophisticated than I am, and it's introduced me to all kinds of beautiful things in the world, including wine. And we enjoyed it, and we were in Italy, and it was very casual over there. It's very part of the culture. It just wasn't, it wasn't a fancy thing. Yeah. And we came back here, and we were trying to experience that somewhere in town, and we just couldn't find that environment. We were going to places like the Royal Palms, which is beautiful, which we got married at, and you know, it was nice, but you had to get kind of dressed up, and it was expensive. And we wanted a place super casual where you could hang with your friends, have some wine, you know, have conversation. Right. That's kind of why it exists. And then we just wanted to deliver this really amazing experience. Everyone came in, got their vibration raised. I like that. So yeah, get your vibration right, and and a great place for a date. I know I had, had been on many before my wife, uh, you know, over there, which is really cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great place for first dates and yeah. casual hangs, and the price point's comfortable. But yeah, you know, and we have an amazing wine director named Brent Karlacek, and you know, the, the the wines that we serve have always been really affordable and you know accessible to the general public. Yeah, and we didn't want to be the place where if, if you didn't know a lot about wine, you'd be intimidated. It was the opposite of that. Come in and flip-flops, board shorts, and a tank top, and you drink Chardonnay, great. We love you. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's too funny. And Brett's been there forever. Mm. He's original OG. Yeah. Yeah. And Lauren, our partner and CEO, and Brent worked together at a restaurant in Tempe called House of Tricks, which I'm sure you mm -hmm. remember. They're, they're not around anymore, but they yeah. worked there even before Postino. So they had a relationship before. So. Postino Arcadia and that location brought a lot of amazing people together. Yeah. And I just want to say for the record, you know, we get to take all this credit now, but there's so many people over the last 23 years that have contributed at such a massive level that have gone on to do their own restaurants or start families. But there's a lot of people that contributed. And one of our philosophies was collaboration. Mm -hmm. And just a lot of people did. So a lot of people deserve a little piece of the credit, how we got to where we're at. For sure. And a lot of people have branched off from, <clears throat> you know, the Upper Projects family. And like you said, have started their own thing that is very successful. Successful and you know it's it's really cool that you kind of almost created like a hospitality incubator you know in a sense 
It's so fun to see Phoenix now at this level. Yeah. And, and the quality of um, choices we have for yeah. everything, arts, culture, dining, like music, it's just, it's come such a long way. Yeah, and the involvement in the community and the the amount of give back that you guys do, and and I you know I have to say if you guys haven't seen or even know, but their uh, their employee parties are just off the hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to mellow those out just a little bit as we grew. We used to we we had, we, we came up with this um, idea. Let's see, man, I don't know how long ago, but we, we did our first one in the 2000s sometime. And we did Battle of the Lip Sync Bands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the first one we did was at Modified Arts down in Roosevelt. Yeah. Kimber Lanning yeah. was Kimber's generous place. enough to lend us her space. And her husband's in next. Lorenzo's doing a podcast. Lorenzo's coming in? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But, yeah, so when you have, because um, you have new partners now, right? Is that kind of like, I mean, how does all that work? You know, to, to, to fuel our growth, we took a private equity investment. Yeah. And now we're growing. We have some great private equity partners. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's fun. And Lauren is it's awesome. our CEO, and she's just killing it. Yeah, and how's your new office building? I guess it's kind of old now, a few years now. It's been a bit. Yeah, we're down at the Phoenix Financial Center on, on yeah. Central, and it's, it's an iconic rotunda building. And that's another great story. When we were outgrowing our old space, uh, Lauren really pushed for something inspired, not just a not just your typical, you know, drop ceiling fluorescent lit office building. Right. So she searched and searched and found that building, and it's really been uh, it's been good for the whole team. Yeah, you ma- and you made it kind of your own upwards, you know, vibe in there and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, all the good stuff. It's I've a party. Yet, I've yet to been there actually, which is kind of fun. You ever been inside? No, I've never oh. been inside. I gotta go drop by. Gotta um, see the basement. Oh, re- oh I love basements. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's okay. crazy. All right. I'll check that out. So what would you say compared to when you first started getting in the hospitality? Like, what are some of the biggest differences now that you see, you know, within the hospitality community compared to, like, what's going on now? I mean, probably the biggest one that I sense when we started, there was no social media, digital platforms. Mm-hmm. There was no Yelp. There was no reviews, no Trip TripAdvisor. Yeah. You know, you really... It, it did change how we operate and what we look at and guest sediment. I mean, it's, it's a tool, yeah. but that wasn't around. We were just standing in the stores every single hour of every single day trying to make connections with the guests, which we hope that now trickles down to our leadership teams and to our hourly mem- team members. But that was really find a first-timer, make it so great they become a regular. Yeah. It's pretty elementary, but we stood in there for years doing that. And my wife logged about 10 years of 16-hour days at Legrand Orange every single day building that business and knowing every single person that came in and their kids and their dogs and because that's what it's about it's about community and it's about people feeling like a part of something when they walk in feeling at home listen we, we have we have great wine we have amazing food but what we're really selling is this little guest connection this little vibration raise this little part of something special yeah that people want to feel and the, and the speed of the pace of life right now is so fast to have those moments where you can come in and connect with someone and something and a cool playlist and the right lighting and all those things kind of come together, it becomes a little magical. Yeah, it does. A little break in your day, a little little lift. That's really cool. That's really cool. Nothing nothing like it. So d- talk to me a little bit about Air Guitar and, and what you know what got that what got you started on that. That place is is really cool. Yeah, thanks. We we have we have this new concept where we're kind of just um, playing around with at the moment, turning yeah. the knobs, trying to figure out what it is. Um, we have a partner, uh, Eric, who owns 21 Chevrons in town. They're the largest Chevron operator in Arizona, and we've been friends for a long time. And we got really intrigued by his business versus the restaurant business because if you look at the 
the C-store business that comes along with gas stations. Inside the four walls, it's it's very high margin, very low labor. Yeah. If you look at the restaurant business, it's the polar opposite. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> high yeah, labor, yeah. low margin. New challenge for you. Yeah. So we decided we wanted to maybe, and I don't like this word, but I'll throw it out there, kind of disrupt or innovate or evolve the C-store experience. Yeah. Do something elevated. So we bought a hard corner out in Gilbert, had Jack DeBartolo um, design us an award-winning building, and we opened up a kind of tricked out convenience store that has a little cro- grocery components, some specialty retail, a little bit of food service. And it's uh, and it's got a crazy ass sound system in there. We went all over the top. Yeah. And it's it's super fun. And we're just trying to figure out how the neighborhood's using it, how we want to become more of an asset in the community. But we have an ice cream shop in there, and we have pizza by the slice, big wine and beer department. We have all these kids pour in after school That's cool. on the weekends with the youth sports, you know, baseball team or basketball team has two hours before their next game. They're coming over. So it's becoming a kind of become that iconic spot. Yeah, and it's clean and open and like it's got unique food and drink in there and just it's not like going to a Circle K, you know. It's it's uh it's like the fashion square of C stores. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can still get a Monster Energy or a Rockstar, yeah. whatever your your choice right. of, you know, energy beverages and salty snacks, but we also have Beautiful wine. You get Dom Perignon in there. That's great. Flowers. Sushi. So if you, if you kind of took a like a Whole Foods and a QT and yeah. had a high speed collision, right. this would kind of be the wreckage that came out of it. Yeah, kind of a passion project for you, or yeah, 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 something to create. But at the end of the day, just something to put into the universe that becomes a part of the community. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, we need one up here. I'm telling you. Um, all right, I want to know about. Craig's uh, daily habits and your routines and just things that you can share with others that might be listening because obviously you 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 probably just have an engine and a mind that just goes 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 and you're always creating and developing and always wanting to do stuff and it gives you life so what keeps you like together and what keeps your stress down and what sort of like physical activities on a daily level you know do you do and and how important obviously is hanging out with family and stuff like that Wow. Okay. That's, oh, yeah, I'll start lot. with the last question first. Yeah. Obviously, it's most important. We have two boys, and my folks live close by, and Chris, some of Chris's family lives here. And I've, been, I've, been, I've known Chris for 35 years. We've been married for 25 this year. Wow. We have our anniversary coming up, and it's just amazing. And Yes, yeah, so big priority there. And again, when I list my priorities in, in life, I put health at the top. And not that I want to be selfish about myself, but I'm not good to anyone else my family, my friends, or the business, if I'm not Love it. In, in a good place. Yep. So that's really a big deal. I think you and I are a lot of alike. Uh, we are kind of high speed and high paced and probably use a little bit of anxiety and insecurity and lack of confidence for fuel sometimes. Yeah. So I like routine and, uh, and I like being physically fit. It helps me manage all of that yep. and feel better. So I have a really kind of structured routine during the day. And I, I really, I write my workouts into my calendar that weigh as heavy as any other meeting I'm going to have during the week. I was taught that trick a long time ago. Love that. So I do that. I do that first. I write my workouts first, and I schedule all around those. Yeah. And then I don't miss them. Are you a during the day workouter, or do you do it in the morning? Or you know, the great news is I have tons of flexibility. Yeah. Big workload, but lots of flexibility. Yeah. I prefer the morning. I'm a little sharper, stronger, not as not as you know beat up from the whole day. Right. So I, I usually, but I can I can do my workout almost at any time. Okay. And and how's your how's your eating regimen? I mean, being in the restaurant business and always you know out and about, do you find yourself sometimes having a snack on stuff that you don't necessarily want to because you're just hungry, or are you always prepared? Or what kind of? 
I mean, I've been more extreme at times. At this point in my life, I've kind of got, I, I kind of have a lot of knowledge and awareness, but I really like pleasure too. Yeah. I'm not going to not have an experience with friends and family eating because I'm too, I'm too regimented about it. But for the most part, my 80-20 rule, I eat 80% pretty clean and 20. I like food. I like wine. I like you know, yeah, things that taste good, like all the things. Yeah, no, nothing wrong with that, man. So that's, that's cool. Um, and, and tell me a little bit about your your love for music, because I know that you, you and I are both kind of music heads or whatever. D- did you ever like want to just go be a musician or just kind of go down that track at, at all in life? Well, I think I ended up in the restaurant business because I can't play an instrument or sing. <laughs> totally. And, I, and I, I don't have any genetics for a professional athlete. Right. <laughs> so this, this is probably the closest I can come to feeling the energy of, you know, that being somewhat, you know, in an environment where there's high energy all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I have a younger brother who's a professional musician. Okay. He's been forever, and so I didn't get those, you that didn't get skill those set genes. at all. No. And more specifically, my love for music is probably the 80-20 rule. I love... 80% of what I love is 80s music. Yes, me too. And then, and then the 20% else I, I, I'm interested in, but I listen to a lot of 80s music. In fact, I just we just saw U2 this weekend, and the DJ that opened up for him had an insane 80s playlist. Yeah. And a friend of ours has sent me it. So Yeah, no, that's cool. I know you're going to send that to me. I just, you know, the 80s... I, there's just nothing like it, man, you know? And, and I had the blessing to be able to work for a lot of these bands. And it's just like, and then what I started doing is I go down that rabbit hole on Spotify where I'm like, holy shit, you know, this band had another release like in the mid 90s or the early 2000s. And you start listening to that and you're like, this isn't too bad, you know? Because when they were really popular and they had like their first, you know, couple of hit records, it feels, you know, a lot of these bands, their third or fourth records just got kind of lost in that mix because the record labels either dropped them or, you know, something had happened. Are there any like specific bands that you can think of that you just love more than others and maybe have like a, a record that you're really into that nobody else has really heard of? Ooh, wow, that nobody else has really heard of. I mean, I grew up kind of listening to a lot of punk rock. Okay. And, and kind of got into, you know, 90s, early 90s grunge. Hip-hop always played a big role. Yeah. I mean, this huge Beastie Boys fan, like Paul's Boutique, was kind of a life changer. Yeah. And I still go back to that album when we're trying to, when I'm trying to create, get into a creative space. I listen to that album. And I don't know if there's, it's, it's amazing, full of samples. Even Miles Davis said it was one of his favorite albums of all time. Yeah. It's just that kind of stuff. But album that no one knows about. I mean, Paul's Boutique's a pretty good, you know, example of that because... Commercial commercial failure. Commercial failure. 100%. Yeah. But they they just were reinventing themselves, went out and took all the restrictions off and just kind of went batshit fucking crazy. Yeah. And that was the result of it. it was, no, it was. It's it's a great record, and it was one that I know when it f- had first come out, I wasn't really into it. But now, reverting back, it's something that I'll go and listen to and be like, this is amazing. But again, growing up in the 80s, I, I like you, I mean, Van Halen, yeah. all those things. And, and it, it, they conjure up all these memories. So that's the power of music, right? Absolutely. And even I was over at, um, at Sam Fox's new hotel at 44th yeah. um, Camelback the other day. And the playlist was so good, and it just made everything about the experience better. It It totally does. So, I mean, I think that's part of, you know, what what we're selling, too, is this energy, and music drives it. That's that's part of hospitality, community, for do, sure. Do you still see a lot of live music? Um, I don't. I'm actually going to go see Extreme in a couple of weeks. Nice. Um, and Living Color. Didn't the lead singer 
dream spend a year with Van Halen? The Van Halen. I worked that One record. Album? I worked I worked for them and I worked that record. Did you really? Yes. That's when I met Eddie and I like a dream come true. I'm standing on stage with Eddie and he's like, Hey man, you wanna you wanna smoke? I, I'd never smoked in my life and it's of course. Eddie Van Halen. I'm like, Yeah, dude, I'm I'm smoking. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, of course I do. And meanwhile I look like an idiot. I'm <laughs> you know, choking on this cigarette. But yeah, I I worked that album and okay, so that's a prime example. Like, Van Halen's my all-time favorite. Bar none, the best. I don't care who's the singer, whatever. That is an album that I will actually go back to, and I will take it at face value for where those artists were at the time in their lives. And it's I, I honestly believe it's one of Eddie's most beautiful, like, instrumental, um, you know, efforts that there is. Just the way that it was written, but most people didn't like that record. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's so. the cool thing about it. It is like like off the 1984 album, titled 1984. Yeah, uh, Panama. I have as a ringtone, just because it reminds me of something great, a great uh, time of my life. Right. Yeah. It, it conjures up those memories. You're able to go back, and I, I think you know, in a spiritual context of way of speaking, is like I don't believe in age. I don't believe in time. I just believe that we can always travel and go back into these areas and and really live in them. You know, with deep meditation and just other things that I choose to partake in. Totally. That's yeah, fun. So no, this is cool. All right, I have some rapid fire questions for you. you Let's ready? go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wolves or Rats. Wolves. Okay. Uh, cheese or meat? Cheese. Hot or cold? Hot. <laughs> Waves or snow? Waves. Super Bowl or World Series? Super Bowl. Pearl Jam or Nirvana? Nirvana. Porsche or Volkswagen Bug? Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Okay. Uh, wash dishes or sleep for, sweep floors? Wash dishes. <laughs> Push-ups or squats? Push-ups. Fine dining or casual? Casual. Dude, I like it. not even a hesitation with you. Man, those are, yeah, those are great questions. Um, yeah, kind of makes you think for a little bit. Totally. So uh, this, has been, this has been awesome, dude. I appreciate you coming and hanging out, and I just like to give everybody a little bit of taste of, you know, kind of uh, what's going on in people's lives. So. Totally cool. Thanks what, for having me. What, what's next for you? I don't know. We're going to tweak on the air guitar thing. Yeah. I still have a 13-year-old at home, so. Yeah. You know, just fun stuff. Just surf more. Just be a dad and surf Stay more. fit. Yeah. Because you're, you're in California, what, most of the summer? Or yeah. On yeah. Off? We have a fun fun house over there and on, on a really cool surf break. So yeah. anytime we want to come over, we listen to a lot of music. We I just got into Mezcal. My wife's, like, on this Mezcal tear right now. So listen to music, drink Mezcal, and surf. It's it sounds kind cool. of a good day. Yeah, sounds like a good day. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, awesome. Everybody, thanks for listening to On the d And uh, until next time, we will see you. Peace out.